happens with M&A is it becomes kind of a locomotive. And once it starts going, the train starts moving really fast. You really need to be in that position to say, wait and stop. This is not the thing that we want to do. Hey, listeners, welcome back to the Inorganic Podcast. My name is Christian Hasselt. I'm your host. And this is the first episode of 2024. Before I get started on the topic of M&A activity for startups in 2024, which is what we're going to talk about, I just want to take a moment to thank you, my listeners, for joining me on the journey. I launched this podcast in September of last year, following months of planning. We had seven episodes with some great guests, and we've got a lot more planned going into this year. I know that you have a lot of options for content to listen to, so I just want to extend a lot of appreciation for joining me on the journey so far. And if you really like the content, please help me grow my audience by liking, subscribing, sharing, and all those good things. All right, so in this episode, what we're going to talk about is my prediction that M&A activity amongst fast-growing SaaS companies, especially those in the early stage, is going to tick up in 2024. I'm going to provide some data and reasoning for why, a little bit of insight into sort of the founder mentality that impacts whether or not M&A activity takes place, and maybe offer a little bit of um, advice um, on the topic to founders considering the possibility of selling, founders who are in a money crunch and need to figure out what to do, and to founder CEOs who may be considering uh, M&A as a possible growth lever, or other expansion lever for um, their business. This episode is going to be very data rich, has a lot of the charts and data shared, and I'll do my very best to articulate that audibly. We're going to start with the first chart, which is data from Carta that observes startup acquisitions going back to 2019. Uh, Peter Walker, who is the head of insights at Carta, he's got a lot of great data he shares on LinkedIn. And so some of this was clipped from them. Carta, for those of you who are not familiar, is a platform that manages the cap tables of startup companies. So if you want to track all the shares of ownership of the investors and the founders and the employees, you use Carta software to do that. And Carta, as of uh, recent reporting, has around 40,000 startups using their product. So it provides a great ground for getting data and insight into both M&A activity and shutdown behavior, which we'll be talking about in this podcast. Um, one qualifier I'll put about the Carta data is I believe that it's kind of a slice of the market, but it's not the total market. So when you're looking at these numbers, we should be really thinking them as more directionally representative of activity versus like all of the activity, because uh, there's plenty of companies that are not using Carta and there's plenty of startups who may have done something, um, were using Carta and done something, but just didn't report the activity in a way that Carta could tell it was happening. So we'll just call this directionally um, informative data. The first data point is since 2019, M&A um, activity is up, but from 2022 to 2023, it's down. So in 2022, 646 startup acquisitions occurred, meaning startup buying a startup. And in 2023, as of the end of Q3, there were 423 acquisitions. Um, even if you add on maybe another 100 and 120 in Q4, it's still going to be down a little bit. Not a lot. Again, my prediction going into 2024 is I think it's going to be back up at 2022 levels 
maybe a little bit um, better. Startup shutdown and funding environment is directly informative in my mind of potential M&A activity among startups, especially those you know, under 150, 100 million in ARR. Um, if you rewind back a year ago to 2023 in January, when I was sitting down with my leadership team, talking to investors and others in the market, we just sort of predicted that the contraction in the access to funding and late, for later stage companies, the Silicon Valley bank crisis would have fueled um, a lot more sort of M&A activity amongst startups just to get ahead of not having it, being able to do something else or other things happening in the market, other headwinds in the market, customers um, going to zero-based budgeting or um, not wanting to expand. It was kind of the perfect storm in 2023, but that perfect storm didn't translate into a lot of opportunities for M&A in that year. And so I'm thinking that 2024 is sort of a corrective year, um, and I'll give you some reasoning for why. The first is a, another data point um, by Carta, um, which is a very prolific chart. It's been posted all over the web by a number of different folks. I know it's running around on Reddit, which observes a significant increase in startup banks or bankruptcies and dissolutions over the last um, three years, especially going from 2022 to 2023. So according to this Carta data, 467 startups dissolved or shut down in 2022. The end of quarter three, 543 were shut down by the end of quarter three. If you add on maybe another 100 or 200 of that, that's almost a doubling of um, shutdown activity um, year over year. It, these shutdowns are not a surprise given the funding environment, which we've talked about. Out of the year-to-date data, so 543 startups having shut down year-to-date in 2023, of those, about one-fifth were startups with more than $10 million in funding. That's up 238% over the 47 from um, 2022. So even startups who, you know, if you have $10 million in funding, I wouldn't say it's a hard and fast rule, but generally you've got product market fit, you've got a material customer base, you've got founders who are pretty sophisticated, they're going to do everything they can to avoid a shutdown. Um, for one reason or another, a material number of, of shutdowns were observed. So kind of a big deal. So having that data, there's one more double click that I want to do. We've established there was a lot of shutdown activity. It was heightened in 2023. Now let's look at some data from Pivot, which um, this data is posted on Saster. So I'm going to consider it to be a relatively authoritative. And this data is basically charting um, the runway left of a number of startups. Um, 631 cash burning startups that have raised more than $500,000 of those, 22% have less six months runway or less. 17% have six to 12 months runway. 57% of these VC-backed startups have less than 18 months runway. Why is all this important in this context? If you um, are a startup that requires funding, you need to have runway well into 2025 before the funding environment gets favorable again. You can certainly raise convertible notes, which are probably on unfavorable terms. You might be able to raise money on unfavorable terms. A lot of founders don't want to do that. But generally speaking, the funding environment is incredibly difficult. And so if you've got, you know, especially a year less a runway, you actually don't have a lot of time to make a decision about what to do. 
And to capitalize this point, I'm going to bring in uh, one of my uh, fan favorites, Jay Cal from the All In podcast, uh, with a quote that he, uh, a point that he had made um, a couple of episodes ago that really resonated with me. Uh, we'll go straight to it. That's the key part, the delayed reaction as well. I'll just note when a company does shut down, that process typically takes two or three quarters. And for a founder to accept the shutdown, that might take one, two, three quarters as well. So anything you're seeing in 2023, that might be a shutdown where the employees were all laid off in late 2022. So in essence, what Jay Cal's saying is it takes founders a little time to reach the conclusion that they need to do something different. And since we talk about m on this podcast, instead of talking about dissolving, it's more about the choice for what you're going to do with the business. This is a really hard decision for founders, and I have a lot of appreciation for the difficulty of deciding what to do if you're realizing you can't raise more capital or the capital you need to carry the business to where you want, and you either can't um, or are unable to keep the business at EBITDA positive for some period of time. Even sometimes just running at EBITDA positive isn't necessarily the best outcome for the business. It's a difficult decision. You probably put a lot of personal um, blood, sweat, and tears into starting the business. You have a lot of employees who are invested, customers who are invested, and you're thinking about your investors. The best outcome for all of those is a second shot at um, life with M&A as a possible option. The reasons, these are this is data from CB Insights, that startups fail. Running out of cash is the number one thing. So cash is the most defensible thing that you have on a balance sheet, even if you've got a little cash, you really want to be thinking, you know, two years ahead, how is this going to play out? And the reason why I, I say this is, you know, having been a founder or CEO myself, um, when you have to make a decision about what you're going to do with a company, when you either can't raise capital or there's other some other constraint, there's a few things you start doing um, to sort of at least um, put the flip the circuit breakers in the business. You cut sales and marketing. You start doing really creative deals with customers and you start just becoming much more inward focused on the business. The challenge with that is from a fundraising perspective, you're now sort of flattening out your metrics um, by doing all these things. So it just makes it harder that fundraising is going to be easy on any time frame. And the second thing that's happening, especially if you do this for a long period of time, is potential acquirers who might come and look at the business and are going to look back on those metrics and ask themselves the question, is this startup struggling because of product? Is the company struggling because of market? Or is it simply lack of funding and they didn't have sales force so they couldn't grow as fast as they could? A lot of people sort of default to the most conservative theory, and that can have an impact on how people perceive the potential value of your business or the value you can accrete from the business going through an M&A process. For those founders who are looking at 12 months of runway, move as fast as you can to the conclusion of what you're going to do with the business. If dissolution or bankruptcy, it's a tough choice. Know that there's probably at least half a dozen, if not a dozen companies that could possibly benefit from what you have. You should be proactively searching for those possibilities and really be ready to come up with a creative deal structure to get a, sh a second shot at life. As you'd see in the last episode, episode seven of my podcast, where I sat down with Meredith and Leslie from Lowenstein Sandler, startups buying startup, that activity is up. And there's a lot of creative ways to get deals done with stock and sometimes a little bit of cash to take care of any debt you might have. 
it's an option. And um, as I look at a lot of the shutdown activity, I do wonder, were some of those founders not considering those options? I don't know, but maybe we'll interview some on the podcast as we go into this year and learn a little bit about the decision-making that went behind some of those um, shutdowns. So all that's a plug for Startups Buying Startups is actually a really great way to get a second life. And hopefully what we'll be seeing more of is M&A among startups versus um, a substantial increase in shutdown activity. What I want to do now is um, turn the page a little bit into more broader view of M&A activity. So we've been talking a lot about Carta data. What I want to do now is start talking about a few pieces of PitchBook data that really kind of complement this whole discussion. One is U.S. announced M&A activity as observed by PitchBook, which includes not only VC-backed companies, but PE-backed companies, a whole much larger cohort. Yes, activity in 2023 is down. I was at the Deloitte M&A conference a couple of weeks ago. Uh, very conclusive among a lot of M&A professionals in that environment. One, deal activity in general was down, but not completely off. Two, a lot of the reasons for M&A activity being off was one, regulatory issues, which tend to not apply to startups in the range that um, we're talking about here. And two, what's called a bid-ask spread. A bid-ask spread is essentially what a buyer is willing to pay for and what a seller is willing to take were too far apart. And I think in 2023, uh, there was just a lot of disconnect. Buyers wanted to believe that it was going to be a bargain time environment and wanted to pay much lower multiples. And sellers really weren't willing to accept those multiples or deal with the terms that were on the table. Um, and so I think that constrained a lot of activity. Going into 2024, I think there'll be a little bit of a reconciliation on both sides. Multiples have actually stabilized. The data that you see here on the screen from Altimeter actually suggest that multiples are stabilizing. You can see sort of the pre-COVID you know, normalized data, uh, trading multiples around 7.8x. Um, the median multiple trading multiple for SaaS companies with ARR is around 5.8x. Bear in mind, this is representative of a large cohort. So there's going to be some at two or three. There's going to be some at seven or eight for exceptions. But this actually shows that Multiples are stabilizing and in, in the hallways, talking to a lot of different colleagues, um, especially in the sub hundred million range, this five, six, seven multiple trading values for companies with the right qualities are happening. And so hopefully in 2024, that will be a fuel for uptick in activity. The other data from um, PitchBook that I think is helpful to share, especially in the B2B context is B2B M&A activity as a share of global M&A count is actually relatively stable. One of the things we talked about at the Deloitte conference was in 2022, Hewlett Packard had only done, I think, one deal. They had practically shut down their M&A operation. In 2023, they've done five deals. Depending on where you are, M&A activity may not be completely at zero. If 2023 was sort of a break year, 2024 is going to be um, an uptick year. What does it mean if you're a founder who is considering M&A in 2024? Now, if you rewind back to 2023, as I talked about earlier, you're thinking that um, a lot of companies might come on the market, companies you might be interested in. What should be doing as a founder, as a leadership team to prepare for this possibility so you can have your, your ear to the ground? So just a few um, pieces of advice to share. Most founder CEOs have a pretty good grip on the companies that they think would be complementary or interesting to them. 
there are some comparables for those companies that you may not have looked at that may be worth looking at. The companies who are going to make the decision to sell are usually in the two to five to six million, maybe up to 10 million ARR type companies that may be struggling with raising cash. And that's really the cohort of companies to be looking at. AquaHire, we're just going to leave aside because it's a whole different consideration and a lot of complexities. Let's assume that what we're talking about here is acquiring customers, acquiring some ARR, acquiring um, engineering talent or some other kind of talent that'd be valuable for your business. You know, drawing a circle around those companies and saying, am I keeping a regular loop with that CEO at least once every six to eight weeks? Um, merited based off of, you know, where they are? Am I keeping in touch with their investors? Sometimes investors are a little bit more willing to kind of show a card about openness to possible deal activity as an alternative to something else. Using your own investors as a back channel to the broader ecosystem for possible options. And then the other thing to get ahead of is, you know, just preparing your team for the possibility that you might do M&A. M&A usually happens very quickly. Going from term sheet to close can be as little as 60 days, maybe as long as 90 or as 120 days, depending on complexity or the intricacies of the deal process. But whether it's 60 or 90 days, it's a lot to do. So as a leadership team, what you should be thinking about is, okay, who is going to own the deal process internally? Do we have a lawyer who's going to help us with the deal terms? If not, at least Make sure you've got that person on you know, a phone call away, talking to your investors about the potential you want to do this and prepping them for that. Also going so far as to say, here's the kinds of deals we do. Here's the amount of stock that we put on the table, the amount of cash we're willing to reserve, other considerations that you want to draw a circle around to set a framework for the kinds of deals you would do, which will help inform the kinds of companies you can be looking at. The third thing that especially a founder CEO or the founding team should be thinking about is an extension of two is the reasons why you would say no. Being clear with yourself and your CFO, your investors about the deals that you wouldn't do, why you wouldn't do them. Those can be, I'm not going to buy a company in another geography because it's too complex at this point. I'm not going to buy a company with engineering center that's not in one of these locations because I want value or I want um, synergy between my existing engineering team. I'm not going to acquire a company with this kind of customer base because I don't think we would know how to solve for it or that our sales team would know how to sell into it. What happens with M&A is it becomes kind of a locomotive. And once it starts going, the train starts moving really fast. And so as the, the leader, the CEO, you really need to be in that position to say, wait and stop. This is not the thing that we want to do. So knowing the reasons why and the reasons why not adds a lot of clarity and helps reduce a lot of bandwidth being invested and management overhead being invested on a deal that you may ultimately not want to do. So a little advice for founders considering the possibility of M&A in 2024. In summary, I think that the activity is gonna pick up. I hope the data I shared on this episode, although a little bit exhaustive, was helpful in context of sort of the bigger picture environment. I wanna thank you, my listeners, for joining me for another episode of Inorganic. If you like the content, please like, subscribe, and share with someone you know, always appreciated. And with that, I'll say, look forward to seeing you next time on another episode of Inorganic. Cheers.